last week, really just kind of talking about some things in regards, regards to the, where we are right now as, as a church, as individuals, as, as maybe even in a community. But uh, we're kind of in that gap spot of, we've transitioned over now into 2019, but you're still in that gap spot of, you, don't, you know, where am I going to be at this time next year? Are there some things I can do to kind of get me to a place, maybe I don't like where I am right now. Maybe, maybe you're questioning some of the thoughts and the concerns and the decisions that you made in 2018 and, and you're not real <clears throat> happy with uh, where you're sitting. Maybe you're sitting out there and you lost your confidence. Maybe you're sitting out there and wish you could do things totally different than what you did. Well, you got an opportunity to maybe challenge some of those areas and question some of those areas and see if I can do some things different. I said to you that every year about this time, I, I do that myself. I, I really kind of dig in and question my life, question my actions, question even some of the things that I said last year to people. And uh, most importantly, the thing that I start to look within is not only the, you know, maybe the confidence piece or the <clears throat> vision piece as much as I start to question, hey, what's my relationship with God like? Is His plan and His purpose still number one in my life? Because we found out in Scripture that, uh, that uh, a lot of times we can have our own plans, but it's really God's plans that actually prevail. It's really His plans that kind of will be the ones that succeed. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to get out there over a year span, and by the time you get to an year, end of the year, have you ever got to where you've done some things on your own and you wish you saw God in the middle of it and you're trying to figure out where He is? Well, we, we, there's some things we can do to help us get to that spot where you're not in that position. And a lot of times we, we found out that, like last week, that what's really vital and what's important is to, you know, am I praying? Am I communicating with God? Is, has that been a focal point? Why? Because prayer keeps me connected to Him. Prayer is the very thing that uh, gets me into that place where there's intimacy. It gets me into that place where I learn to hear His voice. And, and prayer doesn't have to be something that's unknown to us. It doesn't have to be something that's just a formality. And remember we said that a lot of times what we do is we pray in crisis moment instead of just pray, instead of just talk to God. And, and it's okay. I want you to pray in crisis. You should be. But you'll be a lot more effective in that crisis moment. Instead of praying the crisis, you'll be more effective in saying, God, I thank you that you're showing up in this crisis. And you've already made a difference and made some plans and done some things for me along the way. I told you that um, prayer is always the catalyst that brings forth God's ability in your life. Uh, I think I shared with you uh, some uh, experiences from a, a traveling evangelist, a healing evangelist. I, I, I know I'm, I'm 52, and so I have some relationships and, uh, and, and some understanding of different persons that maybe, maybe half of the congregation doesn't know. But there was this traveling evangelist that uh, actually he got born again really at a later age in his 40s. When I say born again, he just gave his heart to Christ. But he got so on fire and so passionate about the things of God that all of a sudden there was a, kind of like myself as a pastor, kind of like, like you as, you know, whatever you do in life, his purpose and his focus started to become, hey, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to travel for God. I'm going to minister for God. And, and he, what we would define maybe in the Christian world is a healing traveling evangelist. And they followed him everywhere he went. And his name was Smith, Wilk, Smith Wigglesworth. And he went nationwide and actually went around the world. But he had this saying that just kind of rings with me when I start to think about this subject. And, 
And he said that I never go more than 20 minutes praying. He says, I, I don't pray any more than that. But I never stop praying for 20 minutes. What's he saying? He's saying that prayer is something that's it's an ongoing, intimate relationship that he has with God. And if we're not careful, we can become so connected to the world and its life that we're living that we only connect with God just in need. And we always take this time right now at the beginning of the year. We spend about 21 days, a short blip of time. And during that time, what we do is we challenge you to challenge yourself to pray more. And to help you do that, we've kind of put a phrase into there to help you think about prayer. And we said it's pray first. How about pray first before you go to sleep at night? Well, you might sleep better. How about pray first when you wake up, before your feet hit the ground? What's your first thought? And you have to train yourself to do this. You have to kind of, you know, get in the pattern of it. And maybe 21 days will help you do that. You know, they say that you can train new behaviors within 30 days if you just do it consistent for 30 days. Well, well, let's just try it. Let's see how it works out. Maybe before you have that tough conversation with your spouse or with an employee or with yourself, pray first. Find out what God wants to open up to you, what He wants to talk to you about. How about this? Maybe before you drop your kids off to school, we said, pray first. Now listen, let me, let me share something with you guys. There's something I'm very confident of. I know you're praying. I know you're talking to God. I might be concerned about how much, but, and, and that's kind of what I want to maybe kind of push us a little bit to where this is not just once a day. Sometimes we pray once a day. It's that shotgun prayer on the way to work. Okay, good. Just about anywhere we go here takes about 15 minutes at the most. So that means you're praying for 15 minutes a day. There is no intimate relationship 15 minutes a day. Now, if you're wondering what's going on at home with you and your spouse, maybe you're only spending 15 minutes with her a day. That's not what this message is about. But I did tell you that a good example to compare relationship to and relationship with God is to ask yourself, what is my day focus? Is there time that I spend with him? And compare it to how you spend it with those that are most important with you. I said, Pastor Tiffany, she's gone. She's been gone since about 6 o'clock this morning. My world's a lot different right now. It really is because we're, we're pretty much engaged in everything we do. I've already talked to her four times since she left. What should we do here? What should we do there? What should we say here? No, just, but there's intimacy. There's conversation. And if there's no conversation between you and God, let's say, but maybe once a week, well, that's very scary. And as we get ready today to talk about another secret, another level, another place where we can go and, and look for the glory of God. The song we were singing was about the glory of God. The glory of God is really defined as His goodness. His, well, sometimes we use the word anointing. Anointing can be defined as power. You ever got up one day and, and you felt like you had no power or no energy or no way to cope with what's going and you're going to face that day? How about more power to do that? How about more anointing to do that? Huh? How about having wisdom where there's no wisdom? 
Wisdom's the principal thing according to the scripture. It's how we make our, it's how we should be living life. Not by own man's wisdom, but by God's wisdom. And so it's interesting to me, you know, somebody said this to me on the way out after second service, after first service. And they said, isn't it interesting that sometimes when we choose to pray and to talk to God, it's when we're in crisis. And we don't, instead of going to him first and said, why wouldn't we go to the one that created the stars, the moon, and everything about it first, I think he would know how to do it a lot more than Joe Schmo down the street. If your name's Joe, I'm sorry I'm not picking on Joe. We got a Joe over here. I had to say it. If I didn't, I'd be digging a hole. But you see, guys, prayer first at the moment we're in right now can make a whole lot of difference where you are at this time next year. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know where you were at the end of 2018. I don't know what's in front of you for 2019, but God does. You know why? Because it matters to Him. You matter to Him. It matters to Him to write your story, or how about this, rewrite it if it's necessary. I got some rewriting to do. When you take the time to dig into some relationships, and hopefully you'll do that here, you'll find some places within those relationships where you may have said more than you should have. may have said it the way you shouldn't have. Hmm? You, can re, you can get more conscious of the words that are coming out of your mouth when there's a, an intimacy and an awareness. I'm so aware of my wife now that, that there are certain things I know not to say in my house. Because it, it's just not going to go well if I do. And, you know, it's funny how she has, and I'll just kind of get on her soapbox a little bit today, but with this intimacy that we have, that she's found this place in my life that she likes to be a part of. Football. And that can be a challenge. I'm looking forward to today to watch the football game with no interruptions. Because she likes to talk. She knows a little bit now that she can actually carry on a conversation about it. And uh, no pun intended, it's not a guy-girl thing, it's just, it's just Pastor Tiffany. Let's just focus on her. All right? It has nothing to do with that, except for what happened at Lowe's the other day. <laughs> we were at Lowe's, and we're walking out, and, <clears throat> you know, there's was, was a couple guys standing there, and, and uh, I think a guy had a Dallas Cowboy shirt, uh, shirt on, and I, and I think I said something about, yeah, that's, come on, we got it coming this weekend. She chimed in and started talking football about the teams that they, that she was, they were going to be playing. She knew that uh, uh, last night they were going to be playing the Seahawks. So she started talking to them about the Seahawks. She started talking to them about the Saints and about the Rams. And I'm, I couldn't wait to get her out. I, I'm like, I'm like mm, you could just see it on their face that mm, it, just, it just doesn't work. But she took the time to become intimate enough with me not in a physical level, but in an emotional level. To enjoy something that I enjoy. Your God wants to enjoy what you enjoy. But have you ever sat down and told him what that is? It matters to him. Prayer first. 
Now go with me to Proverbs. We're going to skip a little bit farther forward in this service. We kind of went back into the scriptures we looked at last week in that scripture. And we found out that uh, to be intimate with him was vital and to be really important in doing that. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You can go read that for yourself. Now remember, I read it in a different translation. It's called the Passion Translation. So what you see today might not fall into the category of your King James terminology. But when I read this, and Pastor Tiffany shared it with him, and we began to talk about it, it really opened up the door to maybe some things we can bring. It had actually opened up the door to two secrets. Secrets that guarantee that I go into 2019 not visionless, not purpose, not having purpose, but I go into it with vision. More importantly, I have purpose as I go into it. I know these are two secrets to do that. But I want to pick right back up today in that same chapter. If you want to go with the Proverbs chapter 3. And I want to skip down because uh, there's a second piece to this secret that I didn't share with you last week very much at all. And I want to look in here because you'll find in the same scripture. <clears throat> give me a couple of seconds to get there in my notes. Looking at verse 7 and 8. If we take the time to look at this again, this is going to pull us into a, a, a place that's a little bit more... Uh, I'm not going to preach by myself. So tell somebody, this is going to be a little bit more challenging. Because it will. This, we're going to start talking about the subject of fasting. Now the true biblical fast, I, I know we've always given room of grace for you to just kind of fast music and fast, you know, different things that are kind of out here in the natural. But that's not a true biblical fast. A true biblical fast is fasting actually food and doing away with it for a while. You'd be so surprised how connected to it we are. You get to day three and day five, you'll find out very quickly how you're connected to it. You do away with things like sugar and caffeine and, 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 and that morning ritual that you have. And we all have certain rituals. Some of us don't eat till two. Some of us eat three times a day. Some of us eat at six. Some of us eat at 12. Some of us have specifics. Some of you lean to the fact that if I don't eat, I'm going to go crazy. Physically, i got to have it. You probably do. If you do have to have it physically and, and, and there's doctor expectations upon you, don't ignore those things. But here's what I'm not going to do today. All right? I want to give me kind of an open pa uh, a pathway to here. I'm not going to tell you how to fast. I'm not going to give you the specifics of how to fast. There's plenty of information out there on a table on your way out. Uh, Jensen Franklin, who's very, very uh, informational and very uh, good, at, has got two books out there that will help you. One's called Fasting. One's called The Fasting Edge. Uh, they're phenomenal in their feeding of your faith along this line. There's a cardstock piece of paper out there. Uh, if we have any, I think we have some left. But uh, people were taking them right and left on the way out for service giving you different types of fasts and how you can do all that. I believe in you. You're smart enough to do that kind of stuff on your own. You don't have to have a pastor tell you how to do it. I, to be honest with you, I don't want to tell you to do this. I'm hoping that I can inspire your heart to know that you need some things, or I need some things, or we need some things. I want to find some things out, and I'm just sharing with you two secrets to help you do that according to the Scripture. In this Scripture, look at it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. <laughs> Play with me on this. Look at somebody and say, you don't know it all. 
For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion. Who? God. And avoid everything that's wrong. I'll, I'll interpret that for you here in a few minutes. And avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find healing, refreshment, your body and your spirit long for. Did you know that who you are, who you really are? Your three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Did you know there's a longing of you to have more of Him? It, it really, this presence, this God, this relationship, this knowing of Him would really satisfy a lot of the longings that you have out there that you're trying to fill with people. With, with huh, Sometimes we're trying to fill it with our kids because they're a distraction. <laughs> Am I right? Well, if you don't have kids, you wouldn't know that. But if you've got kids, we rely on our kids sometimes to bail us out of troubles because we use them for an excuse. And here is a secret. He says, look, what did he say? He says, look, if you come to that place where you adore him with undivided devotion, something's going to happen. You know, before I start talking about the adore and the undivided and kind of dig into that place of, of, of what fasting looks like in, in a sense, can I tell you some of the rewards first? Can we look at this, these two words, healing, refreshment? Man, because I, I guarantee you, you're going to find out that... that I just might want some of these things working in my life. Look at this word healing. My spirit's longing for this. My, my real person. I'm longing for healing. That means to make free from injury or disease. To make whole again. How about this? To restore, to patch up. How about that relationship that needs to be patched up and you can't do it any other way? You've tried everything in your power to patch it up, to restore it, and to make it right. And for some reason, every time you get back together, it's worse than it was before. It could be part of your result. Look at this. To restore to original. Oh, I love this one. I just love this definition. It, it means to have a comeback. To snap back. If I pray first and add a second secret to that, a little bit of fasting, can I pull you in a little farther than just a little bit of fasting? Not just fasting here and there. Everybody can diet. Everybody can do without food. And I don't even want to make it legalistic on your point. I just want you to challenge yourself can I go just a step further than I've ever been? I don't know what that is for you. And can I look for these things in my life? But more importantly, can I look for that relationship that I'm so hungry for? Now the word refreshment. I love this. To restore strength. It means to replenish. It means to recreate. It means to regenerate. Oh, how about this? It means to restore to a former state. But it actually means more than just a former state. Restore to a better state. To restore life and vigor. Look at verse 7 again. Here's what he says. Wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion. Wisdom, the principal thing, the Bible says, this trumps everything in your life. If you got wisdom from heaven, if you got wisdom from the guy that created everything, there would be answers upon answers, there would be direction upon direction, there would be the no upon the no, there would be life with the life, there'll be revigorous, there'll be healing, there'll be refreshment. 
And you're not going to get this without this. So many times we're waiting for the osmosis part of God to just show up and just trump life. And I told you last week that prayer is the catalyst that brings the life of God into your life. You have a responsibility in the world that you live in. And if it's just your world sitting in that one little chair, you're responsible for it. You're responsible for where it's going. Yes, He's going to lead you. But if you're asking and you're hearing Him, I know when my wife wants me to do chores at home. I knew yesterday was the day to make sure that Christmas tree was out of the house. I picked up on the signals. First thing she asked when she came home yesterday, mid part of the day. Did you take the tree down? Thank God we had taken the tree down and thrown it out. Are you picking up on the signals from God? Probably not if there's such a connection to the things of the world. I'll talk about that here in a minute. But he says here, if there's an adoration of Him with undivided devotion. And how about this piece here? Adore Him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that is wrong. Uh Uh-oh, I can hear you right now. Oh, here he's going to go. He's going to start telling me I can't do this, but I should do this. I can't do this. And just don't tell me all the right and wrong. I'm not going to. You're smarter than that. You know what works for you and what doesn't. You know what's maybe ungodly and what's, we would say, not biblical. You know those things. It's built in you already. And if you don't and you move into this level, you'll find out what what those are. But let's look at this definition. Here's what it simply means. (laughs) Keep away. Avoid everything that's wrong. Keep away. Refrain. Refrain from anything outside of God's goodness. And when we're really connected into... Here's what we would say in the world. When, When we say world, the world's term. Just life. Just life that has responsibility. Just life that seems to take over. Just thought life. Physical life. Spirit life. You say, Pastor Stephen, how do I put all of these things into balance? How do I get to these, this place where I know spirit and I know mind and I know, I know my body? Well, guess what we're going to do for a whole year? We're going to teach you the whole subject of spirit, soul, and body for a whole year. Because what will happen, guys, listen to me. If we have two of these that are out of balance, physical, and your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions, they will dominate the spirit. And I want to help you come to the place where spirit man is dominating those two areas of your life. I can't do it today. We don't have time to teach that. You're going to spend a whole year learning it. It'll change your life. But what happens in this place of intimacy, let me read to you. I just kind of put all of this in one little paragraph. Listen to what it says. Worship and savor Him with your concentrated entire focus. Commitment, dedication, constant attachment, keeping away and refraining from anything outside of His goodness. Guys, you do that for 21 days? I guarantee you the supernatural will show up in your life that's already been existing. You've just not been able to see it. And when I look at the subject of fasting, again, I told you I don't want to dig into all of the detail of it and how-tos and all of that. You're, again, you can do that on your own. But just educate yourself a little bit. 
and do it wise and do it helpfully and get around people that are maybe doing the same thing that will help you on your day when you don't want to not do this. But I just want to pull you to this place. The greatest reward to anything such as prayer, prayer first, and the subject of fasting is always going to be you'll draw closer to the one that's more concerned about you than anyone else. Here's what, prayer, here's what fasting is not. Fasting is not a spiritual hunger strike. <laughs> fasting and prayer and fasting isn't starving yourself until you get what you want from God. I used to think it was years ago. I really did. I went in after it, and I'm saying, I got to get this. I got to get this. I got to get this. And I was missing the whole point. Fasting is not a way to manipulate God into action. God cannot be somehow deceived or forced into action. Fasting is not a way to get your prayers answered or your needs met. That seems contradictory, doesn't it? No, fasting is I'm going to get to know the one that will meet my needs and have my prayers met. But I'm in the process as I get to know him more and with the intimacy that comes from him, you'll find out that you have the answer already. Here's what I want to do. I want to take you to this place in this verse, verse Proverbs 18, verse 14, real quick. It says, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and broken spirit, who can rise or raise up or bear that? Again, you heard me say that, that you are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Isn't it interesting? We just see in that scripture right there that the strong spirit of the man will sustain me in any trouble or any pain. I will overcome anything. Nothing's limited. When that's not strong, the weak and broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? Guys, I want to bring us to this place, much like this experience that we see in Matthew chapter 17. I want to show you in this chapter, I want to show you what happened to Jesus. I want to show you what happened to his disciples. I want to show you that in the same kind of thing happened way back then. That the people were so connected to the things of the world and the things that were going on around them. That when an opportunity came for the supernatural power of God to show up, they couldn't do it. Matthew chapter 17, you're going to see where Jesus, we've taught on this before and dug into it real deep, and I don't want to do that, but Jesus here and, and his disciples were in this congregated area, and you see that uh, this man brings his demon-possessed son who has epileptic seizures, and the Bible says that he was thrown into fire, devilish in how it acts, thrown into the fire, thrown into water, tried to drown him. And they brought him to his disciples. That would be you and I. And when they brought him to his disciples, something didn't happen. They had seen the disciples walking and following Jesus. They had seen the signs and wonders that Jesus could, could do in, front, in their life. And they expected them to be able to do the exact same thing. And you see something very powerful because this man come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. To be healed. Can you, can you just set him free? And the question goes up in Jesus. He said, but your disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus' response reveals something to us that's very powerful. The very first thing he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long, you could hear the frustration, how long will I put up with you? And ultimately what he's saying, how long will you put up with the devil destroying and taking away from your life. 
So here we go. The disciples, they're confronted in front of people. They're embarrassed. They're like, okay, you called us out, Jesus, in front of our people. And, and they're not going to address it in front of them. Are you kidding me? They'd be more embarrassed. So they get alone with Jesus, and they come to that quiet place. They come to that prayer first place. They come to that place where they could talk to Jesus personally, looking for wisdom, looking for direction, looking for understanding. And they said, Jesus, why did this not happen? And he responded very quickly. He said, because of your doubt and your unbelief, there are some things that only come out through prayer and fasting. Now, when you read that and you, you read it on surface value, you would think that what that would mean is that there's certain things that I'm going to come up against. If I'm not prayer and fasting, this is not going to happen. This is not going to work. It's not what he was saying at all. Because you have to go back up to verse 17, and you realize what he said in there to the whole crowd. That's where the nugget is. That's where the truth is. That's where the revealing thing for you and I is. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation." Faithless means full of doubt and unbelief. Faithless means I have no faith to do this. But in the next word, he says perverse. When we hear perverse, we think vulgar. That's not what he was saying. He says, you know what? You're so connected into life and its distractions and the world around that when it came time needing the supernatural, needing to pray for your babies, needing to pray for the right thing to do, needing to make that right decision on the job, needing to have the right words for that conversation, needing to be the example, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, needing that full restoration, when it came to that moment, you were so connected into life that you couldn't even see the supernatural right in front of you and the opportunity to bring in the glory and the goodness of God that would change your life forever. Because you're so connected. You see, prayer connects me to God. Fasting disconnects me from that part of life. Let me bring it to something we may understand. Let's make it personal. Let's make it something. Now, now, now when I say these things, guys, please, please, please don't take this the, the wrong way. I'm not telling you these things are right or wrong. I'm just telling you for 21 days, can you do without them for a little bit? And come to that place. If we all have those same kind of expectations in our life, some results that we're looking for, could we just by chance, maybe for 21 days, find out some of those answers? Could we just maybe be in a different place this time next year? How about this? You know what? I'm saying prayer first. I'm saying fast a little bit. How about things like that are outward? How about Facebook? Hours upon hours a day, we, we, we go there. Nothing wrong with Facebook. I don't care about Facebook. You can stay on Facebook forever. I'm not going to pick on it. How about Instagram? How about this one? You ready? Let's make this one real close. How about we listen to secular music all day? I don't care. I love country music. It's one of those kinds of music you sing it backwards, you get everything back. So don't, don't make it about what to do and what not to do. Just make it about the moment without. You're listening to certain things that are not feeding spirit. They're feeding 
flesh. They're feeding soulish. They're feeling mind. And, and it's telling you that, uh, that, you know, it'd be better to be without this person. And you hear that off and on. They always play the songs. Top 40, always play them about three or four times a day. By the end of the day, four times, you got it in memory. You lay down and she looks horrible. You don't want to do it. And she ticks you off. It would be easier at that moment to think, I'd rather be without you. What are we focused? What, what is our number one? What's, what's coming in? Maybe this is your day. I don't know. I'm just trying to make this so personal. Maybe it's, maybe it's I get up. I get my 15 shotgun, 15 minute shotgun prayer on the way to work. Oh, I'm good. I don't pray anymore throughout the rest of the day. I'm not fasting. I, you know, it's just not something that's a priority to me. I don't, I don't have anything to really have victories in. And, and, but I get to that place and, and then I come back home. It's been a crazy day at work. UPS. 6.30, 7 o'clock. Just came off the holidays. I know what I did it. Full day. Business. All day. Accident happened in the home. It's a lot easier to come home and to sit back and just veg for a couple hours and watch the TV for a couple hours. And you hear all the music and the conversations and the, and the commercials. I, I, all I'm saying is, guys, are there things that take up our time that could be invested to hear some direction? And you challenge yourself. Your king's stomach starts to talk. The things that you can't do without are the things that need to be done without. Because what happens is they rule our time and they rule where we're going. And just for 21 days, we just might be able to, even if it's not ourself, maybe do something for somebody else. How do I do this? Well, there's, there's really three, four different things I would challenge you to do during this time. I really would challenge you to do it. Number one, is he most important? When I go to this place of alone time, car, down the road, when I go there, I'm asking the question, are you number one? Do I know you? And I know you do. I'm going to this place and I'm asking myself, I'm searching my heart thoroughly. I'm saying, Father, is there things within me that are unforgiving or I'm not forgiving my, uh, maybe it's forgiving yourself. And I get all of that worked out and I search that thoroughly and don't camp on that. And then how about this next step I can go to and I say, uh, how, about the, how about the harvest? How about the, the people that are maybe not knowing Jesus like you do? Can I pray and ask for them? Sure. Can I go to this place where not only that, I'm asking, I'm really actually bringing my needs to Him. All of those things being priority, all of those things are just things I can do during this time of prayer. And Let me tell you how this, what happens here. You know, I've been a fireman now for four or five years. And I love it. It's great. You know what's so cool about being a fireman? I get to do what I love to do. I get to play with cool toys. I get to help people, save people, places that are, no one else would go. I, it's just, it's my nature. It's what I love to do. I love to get in there and set people free and pull people out and go into where no one else will go and get to that spot and, and just, but I caught myself in this time of prayer and fasting, maybe a couple, three years ago. I had put about 150 hours of training time into something that I enjoyed. That's a lot when you're doing what you're doing here. 150 hours of unanswered other than just trying to get what they call a red tag to where I can actually fight fires. 
I had to ask myself, what things in my life have more priority than the things of God? Are they the things that may be, might be easier to let go? Might be the things that could stop taking the place of God just so that I can have intimacy with Him. I'm going to ask the band to come on up. And, you know, the challenge that we have when it comes to these things is, is are they really that important? They're important to Him. You know why they're so important? I found out a long time ago that every single area of your life matters to him. There's not a place in your story that he doesn't want to be a part of. There's not a place that he doesn't want to come in and try to rewrite or write for the better. The bigger question is, are we inviting him in to do that? I don't know the hurts. I don't know tomorrows. But he does. I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. We have just three weeks together. Three weeks to go to work, to come home, to get up the next day, do the same thing again. And if there's patterns that we've reached in our life that don't seem to ever change and they're always the mundane, those are the places I start to ask. Are those the things that could be done differently? Are those the things that could be done the same? Many times you take a message like this and you start looking for all the wrong. I don't want you to start looking for all the wrong. I want you to look for all the right. I want you to look for all the good things that God's done. And I want you to just maybe pull some things into the place that may be taking advantage of the great things He wants to do. Can there be more power in my life? Can there be more anointing in my life? Can there be more goodness in my life? I read a great book, and I love the book. It's called Good to Great. Anybody read that book? Can there be greatness in my life? Am I settling for good, and my God wants to take me to the gooder? Yes! Your God wants so much more for you than probably you want for yourself. And we buy into the lie that this is just okay. You know, it doesn't take long when you get into conversations around, I'm not going to tell you where I was, I'll just let you know I was with family. And I love to sometimes stir up that conversation about government and what's going on with the government. You know, I just like to kind of stir that up a little bit. I say the things you probably shouldn't say. Because I love to locate where people are. Ten minutes, ten minutes. You couldn't wait for Jesus to come because the world was coming to an end. We were talking about the government and how this shut down and don't know when it's going to open. And then they started talking about the, uh, you know, uh, how we're going to pay our taxes. And then we moved from there and said, oh gosh, we probably don't need to pay taxes because there won't be nobody there to receive them. Try that for a while and see how that works out for you. We started talking about, uh, it was awesome. We started talking about, because I just kind of sat back and was just waiting for the moment to kind of throw something in there. And say, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> they brought up TSA, you know, and they said, we're not going to be able to fly again. And it just kept getting worse. None of this has really happened except for maybe the government piece. And a little bit of confusion in there, I get it. But did you see, if your environment 
becomes that, and you're surrounding yourself with it. I'm just talking about 21 days. I don't care what you do the rest of the year. But for 21 days, could you just maybe pull out of some of those conversations and step back and say, my God will never let me be begging for bread. <laughs> my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My God's the one that has uh, created the stars, the moon, and the world, and everything that's in them. I'm not moved by what the world's going to do. I'm moved by what my God's already done. Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, you're so connected in, you can't even see the goodness that's around you. Can you, for 21 days, invite God in by prayer first, and then be willing to take another level of step? And I'm telling you that there will be a limitation of, there'll be those that will see and those that won't. But those that will take this next level, I guarantee you, you'll see healing, refreshment in places you've never seen before. Why? Because you matter to Him. I'll see you next week.